Jeremy. I'm Jocelyn. And I'm Emily. And, and we, we are Pearl and the Beard. You're listening to KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM. up everybody welcome back to box to box here on kcou 80.1 fm hope everyone is having as good of a wednesday as they can on this dreary day if you're in columbia missouri it's raining um the weather really flip-flopped on us yesterday it was like 80 degrees and super sunny right now 48 and showers just supposed to rain all day long um kind of a bummer but it is what it is i hope everyone's staying dry and listening to some box to box i mean what better way to spend your late morning on a Wednesday. Um, my name is Jack Nolden, as usual. I'm back this week again. Last week we talked World Cup draw. That was fun. Um, I made my first installment of my predictions, which was, you know, they they were what they were, and we'll have to see, you know, how they how they pan out. I'm gonna update those. I'll do one like every month, like I said, um, and and that'll be a a groovy time. But yeah, this week we're talking Syria. I know I put out a poll. Um, we just have Syria and League One left who need a, a league recap, and then we'll go back to offering um, all five of Europe's top five leagues. Um, but this last week, Syria won the poll, so we're going to do that. Um, but of course, first things first, got to start off with the Bucks homer, as I always do. Um, it's playoff time in the NBA. Uh, the Bucks are facing their local, not local rivals, I don't know, their rivals down south, so to speak, the Chicago Bulls in the 3 6 matchup in the East. Um, I've been getting some slander for my franchise here because everyone was saying the Bucks lost their last game to the Cavs on purpose because they sat all their starters um, so that they could avoid being the two seed and then avoid having to play the Brooklyn Nets, who got the seven seed last night after winning their playoff game or their play-in tournament game. But you know what? Milwaukee's not scared of anyone in the East, all right? They literally bench their starters in the last game of every season. They do this all the time. And for what it's worth, I know every other NBA franchise would have done the same thing if the game really didn't matter. You don't want to get your starters hurt. 
You know, you want everyone healthy for the playoffs. The fact that they have to play the Bulls, who are one of the most downward-trending teams in the NBA right now, is purely coincidental. All right? It is. I will take no slander for that. We did not lose on, we did not lose on purpose. It is what it is. You know? Maybe the Nets should just be better and not get the seven seed, and then we wouldn't be having this argument at all. So... Take that for what you will. But anyway, yeah, the Bucks finished 51-31 and 31 in the Eastern Conference. That was the same record as the two-seeded Celtics and the four-seeded Philadelphia 76ers. So, you know, yes, they got the three-seed, but they're just as good as, as these other teams. Philly are just as good as them right below in Boston. Same record as them right above them in that two-seed. Their first game against the Bulls starts... On Sunday, April 17th, I like, could not see the day for a second. Um, that is Easter Sunday. We'll see. I'm actually going home this weekend for Easter. Um, so we'll see if I'm able to go to the Deer District, at least for that game. The game's on fi- at 5.30, so I'm sure I'll have some either really angry tweets if it doesn't start out well or, or you know, happy to see them hopefully begin what should, in theory, be a fairly easy series for them in this first round of the playoffs. But yeah, Bucks bulls that'll be fun. I know I'll be talking some trash with some fellow KCOUers who are Bulls fans. Um, some of them have already accepted defeat to me, which is kind of funny. Um, but we'll see how that goes for the Bucks. Yeah, I'm hoping to be in the Deer District for, for many occasions this summer. It's playoff season. Stress levels just increase. We're back to where we were when we were doing these, these Bucks homers on Box to Box over the summer last year. So we'll see how that all goes. Um, yeah, with that being said, no more March Madness to break either. I know I talked... A little bit about that on the show last week. But yeah, without further ado, I think it is time to get into this long-awaited Serie A recap. Now, I know normally I go through the games and then I kind of give a breakdown of what the scenario is for the league in general. But I'm going to do the opposite this time because this week, match week 32 of 38 in Serie A was a big, big game week for the title race between last year's champions Inter Milan AC Milan, who currently lead the league, and Napoli, who are currently in third. The scenario right now, the fight, the race for the title. Like I said, AC Milan sits in first place. 20 wins, 8 draws, 4 losses, 68 points for them. Inter in second on 66 points. And this is, of course, after all of the games that I'm about to talk about. Um, So we'll get into how each of these teams got here this week. Inter, 66 points, 31 games played, 19 wins, 9 draws, 3 losses, and Napoli also on 66 points, but in third on goal difference. Their goal difference is plus 32, while Inter's is plus 41. So some huge games. All three of these teams were in action this week. We'll talk about each one of those games. Um, And then just going down the table, uh, Serie A, just like the Premier League, has four automatic qualifying spots for the Champions League. So right now, Milan, Inter, and Napoli hold the top three, like I said, and Juventus is currently in fourth on 62 points. They have that last Champions League spot. Uh, Serie A also holds an automatic qualifying spot for both the Europa League and the Europa Conference League, which are two other European leagues I know I've talked about a little bit on this show. Roma currently sit fifth on 57 points. Um, so math, what, four po- uh, five points off of Juventus in fourth um, in that automatic Europa League spot, and Lazio sit in sixth. Two points off of Roma for fifth. They have that Europa Conference League spot. As of now, two biggest challengers to them are Fiorentina and Atalanta in seventh and eighth. They're on 53 and 51 points, respectively. Uh, Then you kind of move down to the middle of the table. Going to the bottom in the relegation zone, Serie A has three teams that automatically get demoted to Serie B. 
Um, those teams right now are currently Venezia on 22 points in 18th, Genoa, who are also on 22 points in 19th, and then Salent. Oh shoot, I butchered this name. I wrote a, I wrote a little pronunciation guide. Let me let me go pull it up. It's Salent. Salerniti, Sal, wait, oh my gosh, I'm butchering it. I think it's Salernitiana, and they're in 20th on 16 points. So I won't have to worry about pronouncing their silly club name next year because they're going to get relegated. Um, they're on 16 points, minus 45 goal difference. It is worth noting that while Venezia and Genoa sit on 22 points in 18th and 19th, Venezia edges out 18th with a <laughs> they have a minus 31 goal difference as opposed to a minus 28 um, for... Genoa, but Caliguri, who currently sits 17th, only have 26 points or 25 points. So they're only three points ahead. So they're not out of the, the race to beat the drop by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, the team in 16th is Sampdoria, who did not play this weekend. They're on 29 points. So they have a little bit more of a, of a cushion, so to speak, in Syria. So plenty to get into. Obviously, the most intriguing storyline is this title race between Milan, Inter, and Napoli. Of course, AC and Inter Milan, the big Milan rivals, the Milan derby. So that's a huge, huge race for the Scudetto there. Let's get into the first game. Starting things off on Saturday. I think we had three games on Saturday. First of which, we're starting off boring. Very sorry, but it was the first game that got played. So it's the first game I'm talking about. Empoli and Spezia. They played out a nice nil-nil draw, which was a little bit of a relegation six-pointer for both of these sides. Um, Empoli are 14th and Spezia 15th on 34 and 33 points, respectively. So, you know, trying to just pick up points to try and avoid falling into the, near that drop zone. Um, but I don't really know, honestly, how this game stayed a, scorts, a score draw. Spezia's Provadil, their goalkeeper, was literally saving goals and saving them. Um, he had four saves total, including a couple fantastic ones to keep Spezia alive in this game. Um, he saved his best save for last, honestly, when a shot came in, I believe, from the right side of the box, was uh, bent with someone's left foot towards the left side of the goal, um, but he made a nice diving save to keep the clean sheet. This was actually also the first clean sheet for Empoli, uh, who now sit 14th with Spezia right behind them in 15th. Player of the match in this game, like I said, was... Uh, Spezia's Provadil, Ivan Provadil, who is 28 years old. He had an 8.1 match rating, four saves, like I said. Kind of a boring game. You know, I don't want to dive, I won't dive into too much of it. The XG in this game had it as a 1-1 draw, so kind of boring, won't lie. But nevertheless, you know, both teams pick up a crucial point in terms of keeping their themselves up in that mid-table area and, and away from the relegation zone. Now, we move to the most intriguing match on Saturday, which featured one of those title challengers and, of course, last season champions of Serie A, Inter Milan. They won the Scudetto, which is the name of the Italian championship. Last season, we go to the top of the table. Inter, who have not had a great home record all year, were pushing for their second straight title, of course, and their 20th title overall, which would actually see them add a second star to their jersey. So the Inter logo when it's featured on their jersey, has one star above it. That star signifies uh, their 10th Scudetto, which they won in 1966. Um, so every 10 championships that they win, they add another star. They're going for their 20th championship this season. You'd think it would be written in the stars for them, and it looked like it would be in this game. Ivan Perisic, the Croatian midfielder, 
crossed it to the back post to Nico Barella, an Italian center mid, who got things started for the Italian champions. They quickly doubled their advantage when a corner was flicked on by Ivan Perisic and eventually tapped home by centre-back Milan Skriniar into really the dominant side all game. I managed to watch the second half of this one, and they now secured back-to-back home wins for the first time since the start of the calendar year. Inter moved within a point of AC Milan, like I said. Um, They moved within a point of AC Milan with a game in hand until, of course, this AC Milan happened on Sunday, which will match happen on Sunday, which we'll get into. But, like I said, AC Milan, 32 games played. Inter Milan have that crucial game in hand. Having only played 31, they're now, spoiler alert, two points behind AC Milan for first place. AC Milan drew their match with Torino. We'll talk about that um, to round out the roundup. Player of the match in this game was Ivan Perisic. He assisted both goals. He looked really, really lively on that left-hand side for Inter. Final score, Inter 2, Hellas Verona nil. And I should mention Hellas Verona now sit 10th in the Serie A table. Moving on now to obviously the side that probably everyone will recognize name-wise the most in Serie A, Juventus. Um, they were in action against uh, it's Cagliari. I butchered the pronunciation earlier. They were in action against Cagliari, who, of course, like I said, are fighting for their lives in Syria. Um, came in as the home side and facing a Juve team who are really having a disappointing year by their standards out of the Champions League. Of course, they were knocked out by Villarreal. We'll get into that later. And basically out of the title race in Syria, like I said, sitting on fourth with 62 points. Not looking good for Juventus and for a minute it honestly looked like they would be upset again as Cagliari star Gial Pedro got things started with a very clean uh like settle and then bent the ball into the top right corner giving the home side the advantage Juventus however got a goal at a really crucial time right on the stroke of halftime to tie things up that's always a big big time to score is when you go one nil down early in a match you're fighting you're fighting you're fighting you get that equalizer and then halftime happens a couple minutes later you have all the momentum and that's exactly what Juventus got that goal was scored by Matthias De Ligt a Dutch center back for Juventus they pushed for a second and eventually found one through youngster Dusan Vlajevic who scored his 22nd goal of the season he has been on fire for Juventus this whole year. Um, the young man is really a machine. He's just 22 years old, Serbian striker for Juve, brought in from Fiorentina in January. Um, I did feel bad in this game, a little bit of a side note, for Juventus right back Luca Pellegrini, who thought he actually got the scoring started back in the first half with a really nice strike from the left side of the box. However, his shot hit his teammate Adrian Rabio on the arm on its way in. And didn't count. That would have been his first career goal for Juventus for the 23-year-old. So, sad for him. But nevertheless, Cagliari have now lost five straight and sit 17th. Like I said, just three points above that drop zone. Um, And I also should mention that the team below them in 18th, Venezia, who we'll talk about in a little bit, have a game in hand on them as well. Juventus, like I said, cling on to that fourth place spot with the win. Player of the match in this game was Matthias De Ligt, the Juventus center back, who had one goal and eight duels won, which is a lot. Um, final score, Cagliari won, Juventus two. Uh, moving on to the Sunday games, our first one, we're going to talk about Genoa versus Lazio. One of the most free-scoring sides in Serie A in Lazio. I believe they have the second most goals scored on 64. That's just one behind Inter with 65. So one of the most free-scoring sides in Serie A was added again, running riot at Genoa. Um, 
Adam Morisic got things started for Lazio, but this game was all about one man and one man only, and that was their star Italian striker, Ciro Immobile. He scored the next three for Lazio. One, a beautiful finish in the bottom left corner. Two, a header after Genoa goalkeeper Salvatore Sirigu fumbled a save and Immobile nodded it home. And his third came after their defense gave the ball away again. He picked it up right on the byline, dribbled it kind of back, cut back in toward the middle of the box and slotted it into the bottom left corner and scored. Genoa did get a compensation own goal from Lazio after a wicked deflection off a corner, but that was not nearly enough. Immobile now leads Serie A in the golden boot race with 24 goals, two goals ahead of Juventus's Dusan Vlajevic, like I mentioned, who has 22. Lazio continue their push for the top four spots, uh, just two points out of fifth place, while Genoa linger in 19th, like I said, in that relegation zone and are in real, real danger of going down. Player of the match in this one was, of course, Chiro Mobile. 9.7 match rating, hat trick, about as good as you can get from the Italian center forward for Lazio. They got a big win there. Next up, Napoli versus Fiorentina. It was a goal fest in Naples, but it was the away side Fiorentina getting things started through Argentinian winger Nico Gonzalez. Uh, Gonzalez got things started in the 29th minute. However, Belgian Dries Merdens came off the bench in the second half in the 58th minute, scoring for Napoli to make things 1-1. Fiorentina then took the lead back through a Jonathan Ikone goal, um, which was, I believe, put in... Oh, no, it was his first Serie A goal. He's back on top scoring. Um, Jonathan Ikone tying things up for Fiorentina. 1-1, back and forth we go. And then obviously, or sorry, 2-1. It got 2-1. There were so many goals in this game. Ikone scoring, putting Fiorentina up 2-1. Um, then it was Victor Oshimen in the 84th minute for Napoli, tying things up at 2-2. Oh, no, I should. I butchered it. Fiorentina would go on to score again. They would put themselves up 3-1, which was crucial. It was Arthur Cabral putting them up, Brazilian forward, 23 years old, putting them up. 3-1, which was huge, as Napoli did then claw one back through their striker, Victor Oshiman, who got in a goal and an assist himself this game. However, that would not be enough as the two goals for Napoli and the compensation in the 84th minute meant they would fall in a huge, huge game for their title challenge. Like I said, they're in third. This was huge points that Napoli needed to pick up, and Fiorentina got things done. Like I said, Gonzalez, Iconi, and Cabral scoring for them Napoli take a huge L in the title race. Player of the match in this game was Nico Gonzalez for Fiorentina, the 24-year-old right winger. Had a 9.0 match rating, five key passes in this game, a goal and an assist, completed the most dribbles, won the most duels, and also lost the most duels. So he was just doing everything uh, dribbling-wise, passing-wise, scoring and assisting. Not much more you can ask if you're Fiorentina from Nico Gonzalez. But like I said, huge loss for Napoli in terms of their title campaign and their title challenge 32 games played like I said 66 points but in third place unfortunate loss there to Fiorentina quite the goal fest uh final score was Fiorentina three Napoli two uh moving on next up was Sassuolo and Atalanta Atalanta who have otherwise overperformed in past seasons have won just three of their past 13 games this campaign and a European place will be tough to grab for them. Satsuolo thought they got things started in the 23rd, 21st minute, but a, dom, uh, but a Domenico Berardi goal was ruled off sides. However, they then punched Atlanta, At Atalanta, I almost said Atlanta. I've definitely done that before. When I first saw Atalanta's squad name, I was like, 
this looks too much like Atlanta. This is not fair. Atalanta got punched in the mouth, however, um, after they took a corner kick, which was then beautifully countered by Satsuolo. Berardi carrying the ball down the left flank and swinging it across to 22-year-old Hamed Traore, who put them in front. Traore nearly got a second two minutes later, clanging one off the post, but he would not have to wait long to get another goal in Serie A as he did get his second in the match uh, in the second half with about 30 minutes ago, putting Satsuolo up 2-0. Atalanta did get a compensation goal in the 90th minute uh, through, I believe it was, Luis Muriel, the Colombian forward who came off the bench for Atalanta in this game. Did get a compensation goal. It was a over-the-top through ball that was misplaced or misplayed by the Satsuolo defender and Muriel Punched at home, but it would not be enough as Atalanta's struggles continue. They now sit 8th, and Satsuolo actually jump right behind them in ninth on 46 points. 12 wins, 10 draws, and 10 losses for Satsuolo this campaign. Player of the match was Hamed Traor, like I mentioned, the 22-year-old grabbing two goals in this game. And Atalanta, who have really been a really fun team to watch in the past few Serie A campaigns, having a really disappointing year, like I said, in 8th. Place. Uh, next game, we move to Venezia versus Udinese. This game played at Venezia's home stadium. Udinese had never won in Venezia's home stadium in this game uh, as Venezia looked to climb out of the relegation zone. Like I said, they sit 18th on 22 points uh, and we're looking to also avoid a sixth defeat in a row while Udinese continuing a very mid-season. Uh, if I have to make a Premier League comparison for Udinese, they're honestly probably the Brighton and Hove Albion of Syria. Eight games, eight wins, 12 draws, and 10 losses for Udinese. The most draws in the league. Oh, sorry, the second most. Genoa actually have 16 ties, but only two wins, which means they sit 19th. Kind of wild for Genoa. But Udinese, very mid-season, literally sitting 13th. I mean, you, you don't get too much more mid-table than that unless you're exactly 10th in the 20-team Serie A campaign but like I said Venezia, oh, Venezia other side notes uh, also have some of the cleanest uniforms in the world they had like a nice black kit on with a gold trim it was very very clean um, and they also boast uh, former sporting KC player Gianluca Busio who of course also is hoping to break into the US men's national team the 19 year old this season has played 26 games in Serie A which is a lot for a youngster at the top level of Italian football scoring one goal and registering two assists, seven yellow cards. Also, on a side note, he can he can kind of be a destroyer or a little bit of a of a creative player, whatever you kind of ask of him, he can do in the midfield. Uh, his last season in MLS in 2021, he scored two goals and got two assists in 13 games for Sporting KC, like I mentioned. So, got a shout out to Sporting KC player. We love to see it. Um, but it was the roadside Udinese who got things started when Gerard De La Fueo, the Spanish winger won a pen and scored to put them up, and it was not until the 86th minute that Venezia would have a chance to equalize when Thomas Henry grabbed an equalizer, scrambling home a corner. But the home side, who were looking to avoid relegation, their hearts would be broken as center-back Rodrigo Becao for Udinese grabbed his second goal in as many games in the 90th minute off of a corner and crushing the hearts of the Venezia home fans, who were really showing out the stands were packed for this game. But Venezia, after this sad defeat for them, still languish in the bottom three. 31 matches played, five wins, seven draws, and 19 losses for 
Venezia, 22 points, like I said, still languishing in that relegation spot. Player of the match in this one was, of course, Rodrigo Becao, who grabbed himself a goal, 8.3 match rating, and had four clearances in this game from center back as well. So was locking things down in addition to scoring and breaking the hearts um, of Venezia. So it was, it was sad for them. Uh, they're still languishing in that relegation zone while Udinese sit 13th. We move on to the name I am just absolutely butchering. Salernitana. Salernitana, we got it. Salernitana going up against AS Roma. Of course, AS Roma still fighting for a European place themselves. They hold on to that Europa League spot in 5th, while Salernitana sits in 20th last place in Serie A. They came up from Serie B last season. They are really struggling at the top flight. Jose's, Jose Mourinho's Roma were also looking to bounce back after Europa Conference League loss to uh, Bodo Glimt in Norway, um, getting a, a pretty shocking win there against the Italian sides. But they would prevail 2-1 to one in this game, able to secure fifth place and hold on to that spot while Salernitana's struggles continue in 20th place. Um, it was actually... Salernitana, who got things started in this game, um, it was their forward, who I believe, oh yeah, and Frank Ribery is on Salernitana, which is so random. Actually, it was a center back, I apologize. Ivan uh, Radovanovic, who, the 33-year-old Serbian, they had a free kick. This goal was insane. If, if, you, if you would have saw this goal, and I would not know who this was at first, I would have thought it was some star striker. So, Frank Ribery sets up for... A free kick. And Frank Ribery, for those who don't know, is 39 years old now, but back in his day played for Bayern Munich and was an absolute star of a winger. He was so, so good. Super skilled left winger. Um, now just, you know, plying his trade down in Serie A for, for a, a low-level Italian club. But shout out. Um, but yeah, so Ivan, we're going to call him Ivan. Standing behind Frank Ribery for this free kick, Frank Ribery just rolls the ball and Ivan just runs up and smashes it as hard as he can at the goal. And it gets some curve on it and absolutely beat Rui Patricio, the goalkeeper for Roma, putting Salernitana up 1-0 in this game. It was it was unreal. I, I did not think a center back was capable of scoring a goal like that. But it would not matter in the end for Roma as player of the match Henrik Mikatarian was starring for them. He had an 8.3 match rating, got an assist, two total shots as well in this game. Um, Roma... Took until the 82nd minute, but they did manage to grab a goal. Um, it was Carlos, or Carlos Perez, the 24-year-old right winger for Roma, picking up a goal in this game before um, Chris Smalling, Roma's center back of their own, the Englishman grabbing the winner in the 85th minute. That was a huge sigh of relief for Jose Mourinho for Roma to pick up a nice 2-1 win there and preserve fifth place, while Salernitana really looked like they're going to go down. And last but not least, I said we were going to talk about it. AC Milan, who of course control their destiny right now in Syria in first place. They did manage to hold on to first place, but did not grab three points against 11th place Torino this game. Another score draw. We start with a score draw. We end with a score draw. And AC Milan, you know, didn't really look too much at the pace. Torino were creating a lot better of chances. They had an higher XG in this game. 14 total shots apiece for both of these sides, um, each putting three on target as well. But Torino's chances were a little bit better. I think 
they, they really could have won this game and, and had the opportunities to do so. But AC Milan, of course, they're in first for a reason. Their defense holding out. Player of the match in this game was 24-year-old Englishman Fakeo Tomori, who had a 7.9 match rating. You know it's kind of a dull game when the player of the match has a 7.9 match rating. Can't even get it above 8. Um, but did complete the most passes with 48, the most tackles with 3, and was the most accurate passer and 91%. He's definitely a very, very solid um, addition to this AC Milan side, the former Chelsea defender, of course, um, 24 years old, kind of just entering his prime. He can distribute out the back, um, you know, like uh, as good as anyone I've seen, really, um, for a center back. So passing out of the back is crucial uh, nowadays as a skill for a center back, and he really has mastered it. But yeah, played out to a nil-nil draw. Milan, of course, still sit in first place, 68 points, like I said, while Torino languish in 11th. So definitely a fun match week in Serie A this week. I'll definitely have to keep an eye on, on this title race and everything that's going on with that. So, yeah, like I said, Inter probably the biggest winners on the on the weekend because they did pick up all three points while um, Napoli lost to Fiorentina and Milan um Drew, so enter the only team of the three that could pick up all three points this weekend. That'll be huge for them, and yeah, we'll have to see what goes on in the in the title race going forward. I'm going to kick it to a quick break, but when I come back, I'm going to talk Champions League. We have a lot to dive into with the games yesterday. There were some huge ones. Um, we will crack on, and yeah. We will get back with uh, with some UCL coverage, and I uh, hope everyone enjoyed the Serie A roundup this weekend. I won't put a poll uh, out because we'll just do league uh, next because that's the only league of the top five we haven't done. But then after next week, I will put out a poll with all five of Europe's top five leagues to see which one wants a second little recap. So yeah, um, it is currently 11.29 Central Standard Time here in Columbia, Missouri. I will be right back with some Champions League coverage. Why is the sun so warm? What makes a winter storm? And what's a quadruped? Why is the planet Mars red? You'll find there's lots to know. And exploring as you go. To know the world from A to Z. Discover science and A public service message from the National Science Foundation. Listen to Concerto, a wrestling show on KCOU with Cameron Payne and Hal Eastep as they break down and predict the greatest sport in the world. Listen on the internet stream of KCOU, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. All across the nation, we are here for our communities. We're doing our part to get supplies where it's needed in order to fight COVID-19 together. It feels good to be out there to assist our community. I would like our friends and family to know that your National Guardsmen are always ready and always there. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. It was a slight on my honor, so he deserved it. But we're talking about the most brilliant mind this world has ever seen. See, see, see.
Welcome back, everybody, to Box to Box here on KCOU 88.1 FM. We just got done with a little bit of a Serie A recap. Uh, fun, fun weekend in the Serie A. I mean, probably has, I mean, other than the Liverpool City um, title race, might have the best title race in Europe's top five leagues right now, with three teams all having a very, very realistic chance to compete for the title. Um, yeah, La Liga is not really much of a race. Bayern are nine points ahead of Dortmund in first and second on or in Germany. But yeah, um, you know, with that said, obviously in Syria, there are four Champions League places up for grabs, and no Syria teams remain in the Champions League this season, as evidenced by a team we we're gonna talk about knocking the last Italian squad out at the round of 16 of the Champions League. We are, of course, talking about the Villarreal-Juventus game. Villarreal um, beating Juventus, or they tied Juventus 1-1 in the first leg and then beat them 3-0 to win 4-1 on aggregate, setting themselves up for a crucial Champions League tie with Bayern Munich. Now, the first match back on April 6th saw Villarreal continue their Cinderella run, winning 1-0 and taking a nice one-goal cushion into Germany, into Munich, one of the toughest places to play, the Allianz Arena, which has a stadium capacity bigger than the population of the city of Villarreal in Spain. So kind of wild stuff there, Villarreal. You know, we saw Bayern kind of do this against Salzburg in, in their last tie, where the first game in Austria, okay, 1-1 one, one tie. All right, whatever, Salzburg, we're in front of their home fans. It is what it is. And then Bayern Munich went out and won 7-1 to one, uh, in the second leg in Germany for that and, and in order to advance for that series. So now, you know, you're kind of thinking the same thing. Okay, Villarreal, a little bit better of a team than Salzburg. They win one nothing. You know, they're doing good. Whatever. In front of their home fans, it's the Yellow Submarine. That's Villarreal's nickname, by the way. One of the best nicknames in world football. But yeah, Yellow Submarine, you know, they're coasting. Get a nice 1-0 win. Sure, whatever. Bayern will come back at home. They love playing in the Allianz Arena. Robert Lewandowski, one of the best goal scorers of all time. He'll, he'll They'll be fine. But no. Unai Emery Villarreal's manager went out and played gutsy, gutsy, gutsy football. Defensive. And just waited and waited and waited. Even enduring a Bayern goal, which tied things up 1-1 between the two legs, waiting until the 88th minute to finally pounce on a, on a chance when substitute and a 22-year-old Nigerian midfielder Samuel Chokwezi got a goal in the 88th minute to secure a huge upset victory and knock Bayern Munich out of the Champions League. That's right, folks. Villarreal will be competing for a chance to go to the Champions League final on May 28th in Paris. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I mean, you talk about just, like I said, gutsy, gutsy play. Unai Emery is a, is a coach that has done this before. Um, in the Europa League, he coached Arsenal. He coached Paris Saint-Germain for a while. He's been, he's been around the block before. But this is a Villarreal side who now have knocked out two of the European giants in Bayern Munich and Juventus in the last two rounds. They are clearly not scared of anybody. Like I said, they locked it down. They knew what the goal was, either preserve you know, preserve a clean sheet and take the chances where we get them 
and boy did they. Bayern Munich had 68% possession, a better XG on 1.42 to 0.74, 23 total shots to Villarreal's four, and an 87% pass success with 502 passes. Put four shots on target to Villarreal's one, but none of it mattered because the one shot the Villarreal put on target went in. Robert Lewandowski did score himself in this game. Of course he did. That's what Robert Lewandowski does. But yeah, unbelievable. I mean, Byron were projected to score at least a goal in the second half. Um, 502 passes. Villarreal had just 198 accurate passes themselves. That's only a 68% pass success. Which means the majority of the game, what they were doing was kicking the ball out of bounds because Byron Munich had it in their half too much. I mean, just a, an absolute gutsy, gutsy performance by the Spanish side. And they, deservingly so, are now finding themselves in the last four of the Champions League. They will await the winner of Liverpool and Benfica. I don't believe they do a redraw for the last four of the Champions League. I think the Liverpool-Benfica match will determine who plays Villarreal in the last four there is now a chance that three Spanish sides can advance to the Champions League because Villarreal and Real Madrid both advance. A little bit of a spoiler for the next tie that we're going to talk about. Um, and Atletico Madrid also only trail Man City 1-0 on aggregate and have a very good chance of advancing themselves. So we could find ourselves with three Spanish clubs in the Champions League semifinals. So three of the four representatives there. For some more context, Villarreal currently sit in seventh place in La Liga outside of any sort of European place. 12 wins in La Liga, 10 draws, 9 losses. They do have a plus 19 goal difference, so they do know how to score. Gerard Moreno does a great job of that for them. Um, yeah, it just shocking, shocking stuff from them. And this is why we love the Champions League. I mean, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day who he was saying he doesn't watch the Champions League anymore because they just put so many teams in it that, that don't really deserve to be there, you know, because they don't finish as the champions of their respective uh, domestic competitions you know, or they get in there by some miracle qualifying stage just because they're a big club that underperforms. But then you get tales like Villarreal who sneak their way into the Champions League and do something special. I mean, we love Cinderella runs. It's why March Madness is my favorite thing, uh, my favorite sports competition, and we can see it in the Champions League. I mean, two legs gives the opportunity to um, a team like Villarreal to, to take advantage against a team like Bayern Munich. Um, if we're talking the away goals rule, I know that's gotten a little bit of controversy that would not have had an impact because Villarreal won 1-0 at home, so Bayern Munich didn't have any away goals carried into this one. Um, and then Bayern, of course, scored their only goal of this tie at home. So just crazy stuff. Unbelievable stuff from Villarreal. We love to see um, them, them advancing, getting into the, in, into the Final Four. A um, little bit more on this game. Player of the match was actually Bayern Munich's Dwayo Upomakano, the 23-year-old center back. Um, who was doing his best. He had the most passes, 94 in this game, and won the most tackles with three. Jared Moreno, like I said, Villarreal star striker, 30 years, 30 year old Spaniard, got the assist to Chukwesi's goal. Chukwesi's a, a high in demand young, young player as well. He's really, really talented. Um, no one besides their goalkeeper, Geronimo Rulli, had below a seven match rating in um, Villarreal's defense, so they, they did their thing. They played good team football. Unai Emery kept that squad together. At the end, he's just barking instructions. There was a couple chippy moments uh, getting into it at the end. And, an, oh, another shout-out. i got to give a shout-out to Tottenham in this game because Juan Foyth, Giovanni Lo Celso, Francis Coquelin, 
and I think there was one, and Serge Aurier all played in this game for Villarreal, all former Tottenham players who now find themselves in the in the last four of the Champions League, so that's a little bit of a funny connection there. Yeah, I mean, not much more I can say. Unreal, gutsy performance in Villarreal, deservingly so. They are the first representative in the last four of the Champions League. The second, like I mentioned, was another Spanish club, and that was, of course, Real Madrid in what was the game of the tournament yesterday. They played Chelsea and managed to advance. Now, for context, uh, in the first leg away at Stamford Bridge in London, Real Madrid picked up a huge 3-1 win. Eduard Mendy, of course, had that howler for Chelsea. He's their goalkeeper. Um, 3.8 match rating, but it was all about Karim Benzema in that first leg who got a hat trick. Now, heading into the leg in Real in Madrid, Chelsea looked like, they looked like they, oh, poor Chelsea fans. They looked like they were going to do it. They looked like they were going to make a dream comeback on the road. Um, things got started when Mason Mount scored in the 15th minute. Antonio Rudiger then made it 2-0, and Timo Werner made it 3-0 for Chelsea, which meant they had clawed their way all the way back to then have a 4-3 to lead on aggregate and would be advancing if that scoreline held. However, Real Madrid came roaring back. This game was really all Chelsea. It really was. 57% possession, 2.72 XG. They've score scored three, so they met that. 28 total shots with seven on target. 649 accurate passes. That's good for an 87% pass success compared to Real Madrid's 43% possession, a 1.23 XG, and just an 82% pass success. It was pretty unreal. But Real Madrid managed to come back. Luka Modric, aging like a fine wine at 36 years old, had an absolute dime of an outside-of-the-foot pass to substitute Rodrigo, who scored in the 80th minute to then make it 4-4 to on aggregate. Um, before Karim Benzema grabbed a goal in extra time because, of course, this game did end 4-4 on aggregate, which means it would go to extra time. The away goals rule actually didn't matter in this one either because Real Madrid won 3-1 on the road and Chelsea won 3-1 on the road, so they both had three goals apiece on the road. So it would have gone to extra time even if that rule had stood um, or was still in the game. But nevertheless, it would be Karim Benzema once again stabbing Chelsea in the heart Hitting the, he hit the woodwork once um, on four total shots, but would grab a goal in the 96th minute early in extra time to secure a 2-3 loss for Real Madrid on the day, but a 5-4 win on aggregate, a thrilling, thrilling tie, and Real Madrid, after the dust settled, will be advancing to the last four of the Champions League. Crazy scenes. I was really disappointed. They subbed in Christian Pulisic uh, for Chelsea, he missed two crucial chances for them. I was so I was so tough. I like it, they weren't easy chances. Don't get me wrong, but um, some more players to highlight. Like I said, Timo Werner got a goal and assist in this game for Chelsea. Mason Mount got a goal and assist for this game for Chelsea. Antonio Rudiger, Chelsea's German center back, was the player of the match in this game. Eight point six match rating. Did all he could. He scored in this game and had three tackles. He was marshalling the Real Madrid uh, defense for ninety five percent of this game. Unfortunately, it would not be. Enough to hold back Luka Modric, to hold back Karim Benzema, to hold back Rodrigo. Vinicius Jr. looked all right in this game himself, had an assist. Luka Modric, an assist for Real Madrid. Benzema, a goal, and Rodrigo, a goal off the bench. Unreal stuff. Just what a game. Just an instant Champions League classic we witnessed. And all credit goes to um, Real Madrid for holding on and getting the 5-4 aggregate win. So them and Villarreal 
will play in the semifinal, not against each other. They will. They both will be in the semifinal. Um, who will be joining them? That will actually be decided today. It's formal prediction time. Wednesday's game predictions. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna ki- I'm gonna kick it to a quick break before I do. I'm gonna keep everyone uh, on the edge for what my Wednesday predictions will be. I'll kick it to a quick break. When we come back. We will talk Wednesday predictions in the Champions League and Liverpool City to round out the show. You don't want to miss it. It is currently 11:43 Central Standard Time here on KCOU 88.1 FM. We'll be right back with more box to box. My name is Chase Madison, and I'm Luke Magnanti, and we are. Cup of Bro, a sports radio talk show right here on KCLU 88.1 FM. Join us at 11 a.m. on Fridays for some fun sports talk. Featuring our bro segment where we talk about everything that happens off the field. And drink a little bit of coffee too. So be sure to tune in to see what we got brewing up. messages for all of you sitting in the passenger seat and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel freaky right well why not just ask them to stop or better yet volunteer to text for them it might be a little awkward but believe me you'll live learn more at stoptextstoprex.org brought to you by the ad council and the national highway traffic safety administration The Missouri Army National Guard can help you get the education you need to land the career you've always wanted. The Guard will pay up to 100% of your tuition for up to 39 credit hours per academic year at 90 colleges and tech schools across the state. You're eligible as soon as you enlist. Learn more about the many benefits that come with serving part-time in the Missouri Army National Guard. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. their favorite bench player well yours can be too starting left bench is a sports variety talk show with your two new favorite bench warmers join justin bear and peyton heverman as they discuss almost anything and everything in the sports world and some things outside of it join us on the bench mondays at 3 p.m on kcou 88.1 fm to hear some goofiness and talk that you would hear from your favorite bench warmers Starting left bench for those not good enough to go pro. We're excited for you to join us on the bench, and we'll see you there. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Box to Box on KCOU 88.1 FM. Hope everyone is enjoying their Wednesday. Like I said, we just talked the Champions League games that happened yesterday, a couple of thrillers, uh, big upsets, special for Villarreal, and of course, Chelsea Real Madrid, which turned into an instant classic in the Champions League. Well, I love the Champions League. It's so much fun, especially when Liverpool are still in it. And they are. Look at that. Um, And we're going to transition into predictions for today's games. Now, 
I am hoping that if any of the games are even half as good as what they were yesterday, we are in for a treat again on this Wednesday version of the Champions League in these reverse fixtures. So, first game we'll talk about a little bit is Liverpool versus Benfica. This game, I think, is a little bit more wrapped up. I don't want to get too confident as a Liverpool fan, of course. But Liverpool are currently leading this tie 3-1. to one. They got three goals themselves in Portugal on the away fixture. They now will play at Anfield. A nice Anfield night. Game is at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. I don't remember. I think that'll be, what, 8 p.m.? British British time? Um, tea time? No. Um, but they will play Benfica. They are up 3-1. I am going for a 2-0 Liverpool win in this game, which means they will advance 5-1 on aggregate. Um, we'll see who starts for Liverpool in this game. I'm intrigued. Looking like a projected lineup I'm looking at is thinking about Ibrahim Kanante at center back um, after Matip played in the City game. At center back for Liverpool, Luis Diaz, Mane, and Salah is their front three. Um, of course, I talked about Darwin Nunez on the show when we recapped the first leg of the Liverpool-Benfica tie. He scored the one goal for Benfica. He's really good. Just came off a hat trick, actually, in Portugal. 24 starts and 24 goals for Nunez. If this man does not get purchased by a large European club this offseason, I will be shocked. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go Liverpool 2, Benfica nil on this one. Second reverse fixture is, of course, Atletico Madrid and Man City from the Wanda Metropolitano in Madrid. And I'm predicting another European Classic tonight. I think Diego Simeone will play good defensive football for Atletico Madrid. Um, they will, you know, kind of, they'll, they'll play their game. They'll control the tempo. They'll grab one goal, which means it would be 1-1 on aggregate. But Jack, then no one wins. Wait a minute. This game goes to extra time. We play through a nice tense period of extra time. Maybe Phil Foden like hits the crossbar once for City. And then this game goes to penalties. Where in the Metropolitano, Bernardo Silva breaks Atletico Madrid's heart, scoring a fifth penalty and winning the tie for Manchester City. That is my prediction. I am going a 1-1 draw in this game, which means a 1-1 draw on the tie overall, and City advance 5-4 on penalties. Ooh, you know what? No. 4-3 on penalties. I think each goalkeeper saves one. I think Jan Black will get a save. I think Ederson might get a save. This game's going to penalties. That's my prediction. Boom. City advance out of the tie 5-4 on penalties. That's my. Those are my predictions. So like I said, Liverpool 2-0 and win 5-1 on aggregate. City advance 1-1 on aggregate, winning 5-4 on penalties in this second tie. Speaking of Manchester City, there's a game we simply have to talk about. We cannot not acknowledge. There was a nice little Premier League classic over the weekend. I know I did Serie A recap, but I can't not talk about this game as a Liverpool fan, as a Premier League being my favorite league in the world fan. A huge, huge game for the title race between Manchester City and Liverpool. I was fortunate enough to watch this game. Um, I want to shout out uh, two co-hosts of a podcast called Different States of Mind, Katie Athey and Kara Brown. They joined me to watch this game. Um, Kara actually recently became a Man City fan. She talked about this game um, a little bit on her show yesterday uh, on KCOU called The Gold Standard. So go check that out. It's on Spotify. Um, she did a good job recapping that. And then some really informative stuff about the um, Barcelona Olympics and how that like impacted the growth of the city and 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 Spanish sport and that was really um really interesting but she did also talk about the city game from a, a city fan perspective i know she picked this game to finish as a 1-1 draw 
It did, in fact, finish as a 2-2 draw, and it got crazy right away. Kevin De Bruyne scoring in the fifth minute to give City the lead. He breaks my heart every time he scores against Liverpool because I love Kevin De Bruyne. He's a brilliant passer, and he was on one again today for City, of course, um, just as he always is. Um, player of the match actually went to Gabriel Jesus, which I was a bit surprised by. He played really, really well in this game, got City's second goal in the 36th minute, put them up 2-1 at halftime. However, it would be Sadio Mane striking right away to tie things up for Liverpool. Um, Diego Jota, I should mention, got the first goal um, that made it 1-1. And then very tense second half. Best chance late in the second half came for Rah uh, Rihad, Rihad Mahrez for City, who came off the bench. Um, Allison like drifted out of his goal, and I'm losing my mind. I'm like, what are you doing, Allison? What are you doing? But he was smart because he made Riyad Mahrez overthink, and then Riyad Mahrez tried to chip him, which is a really hard uh, skill to do in any situation, especially in the 87th minute or whatever it was um, for City, and he missed, and we managed to keep the game at 2-2. This does mean City do still hold on to that first spot in the Premier League in the title race, 74 points, 31 games played, 23 wins, 5 draws, and 3 losses for City compared to 22 wins, 7 draws, and just 2 losses for Liverpool. Liverpool do edge the goal difference by 5, so that'll be interesting to watch. But now, with this result, Liverpool have to rely on City dropping points in one of their remaining Premier League games. I will read all of those out because there is not much time left for Liverpool to catch City. Remaining in the Premier League for City. They, of course, play Atleti in the Champions League today. They then actually play Liverpool again for the FA Cup final on Saturday. That'll be a super fun game. Definitely going to have to watch that one. Hopefully Liverpool can take another trophy from City. That'd be really beautiful. But they play Brighton, Watford, Leeds, Newcastle, West Ham, and Aston Villa to close out the last six games of the season. I'm going to talk about one of those games. Aston Villa. In 39 days on May 22nd, those two will play. Assuming City and Liverpool have won out, if Aston Villa manage to win that game and Liverpool win their last game, Liverpool will be crowned champions. Why Aston Villa, you might ask? Well, Aston Villa's manager this season just happens to be a one Mr. Steven Gerrard, who of course is one of the most legendary players in Liverpool history, um, won Champions League for Liverpool, English midfielder, now coaches at Aston Villa. Not only that, this winter, Aston Villa signed a, uh, a Brazilian midfielder by the name of Felipe Coutinho, who is also one of Liverpool's most fun players um, of the 2010s before he then made his move to Barcelona back in 2017. So you're telling me there is a chance that Manchester City's title hopes could be slashed at the hands of both Felipe Coutinho and Steven Gerrard for Aston Villa winning Liverpool the title. I think it's written in the stars that City lose that game in the Etihad at home to Aston Villa on the last day of the season and lose the title to Steven Gerrard. That would be the ultimate gift that Steven Gerrard could give Liverpool would be that title. It would be immaculate, and I hope it happens very much. Um, yeah, but it was a crazy game, really fun. Appreciate uh, Katie and Kara joining me and enduring my... Um, my rage and stress at that game. It was objectively too. It was just a very fun game, even though no team came out victorious. Uh, just a fun, a fun game to watch. And uh, yeah, I look forward for the FA Cup tie. I look forward for the rest of this Premier League season. I'm sure I'm going to be sweating bullets. 
because now we have now we have the Premier League season. I've got the Bucks. I've got like finals for school. Co- I can't be this stressed. This is not this is not well. So City just lose every single game and win Liverpool the title. That 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 would be the best thing that could happen. Um, that's gonna do it for me for Box to Box this week. I hope everyone enjoyed. Well, Syria recap league coming next week, um, and we'll see if I get in the Deer District for the Bucks uh, and. I'm sure I'll tweet about the FA Cup as well between City and Liverpool. Hope everyone enjoyed the show this week. It'll be up on Spotify if you missed it, if you're just tuning in. And, yeah, follow me on Twitter, at JNolton underscore media, for fun soccer tweets and other stuff. And, yeah, hope everyone has a fun and safe rest of your week. Take care.